Hello, and welcome to the Amazing Places podcast. My name is Dean Murdoch. I'm a former Saanich counselor and CRD director. In my professional life, I focus on healthy community engagement and fostering more dynamic, people-centered places and spaces. Today, we're going to talk about green space. It's something that I think we all take for granted, that green space is not only good to be around, it's good for us. But studies consistently show the value of green space beyond just enjoying the scenery. Researchers are still working out exactly why green space is so beneficial, but it clearly provides health benefits across the population. It encourages exercise, provides space for socializing, decreasing noise and air pollution. It also can help with psychological restoration. That is to say that green space provides a respite for overstimulated minds. Green space most strongly protects against mood disorders, depression, neurotic behavior, and stress-related issues. So not only do we know that it's good to get outside, just like our parents used to tell us to do, that it's actually good for us, and not just for our physical well-being, but for our mental well-being too. So today I thought we'd talk about the importance of green space, fostering those spaces for people to get out and enjoy the natural environment, and even those smaller pocket natural environments in the urban area. And who better to have on the show today than someone who chairs the Parks Committee? I'm pleased to welcome my guest today. He's a Saanich counselor and CRD director and is the chair of Saanich's Parks, Trails, and Recreation Advisory Committee. Please welcome Ned Taylor. Hi, Dean. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for joining. I noticed you, you got the, uh, the whole name of the Parks Committee out uh, in, in one go. Most people forget the, the trails or the recreation part of it, but you as being the former chair of that committee, I knew you'd just be able to spit it right out. I can just rattle it off. I'm a former member and a former chair. Uh, right. So it's, uh, it's, it sticks in the memory in, in perpetuity, I think. Um, the podcast is all about celebrating community building, creating neighborhood spaces that are, are vibrant and dynamic. And one thing that uh, caught my eye that uh, you, um, you led uh, several months back was uh, bringing food trucks to Saanich Park. Yeah, that, well, that was something that, uh, that came out of, the, uh, of a committee discussion at the Park Trails and Recreation Advisory Committee. Uh, so we were exploring uh, different ways uh, where commercial operations could exist in parks and then potentially be benef- beneficial to parks users' experiences. Um, and, uh, and food trucks was one of the things that came up. We also talked about uh, a few other options such as food stands, um, uh, companies that would rent out uh, things like kayaks or paddle boards at the beach, that sort of thing. Um, that's something that existed at, uh, at uh, Elk Lake uh, back when I was a kid. And I always thought that was a really fun thing uh, to do in the summer, grab an ice cream and, and rent uh, uh, some sort of uh, something to take out into the lake. So Saanich's Parks Management and Control Bylaw right now states that no commercial operations can uh, take place in any park uh, or beach uh, unless provided with written permission from council. So it's pretty close. The door is some fairly closed to any kind of commercial operations uh, in parks through the bylaw. Uh, and so rather than recommending a, a change to the bylaw in sort of a more permanent direction, we, did, we decided to test this idea out to see how it would work in some, in some parks. Uh, and uh, moving forward with the food truck pilot project, that was recommended to council. Um, council then uh, supported that and asked staff for feedback on sort of how we would be able to um, make it work. Um, and so staff reported back and recommended five parks, uh, Cabra Bay Gyro Beach, uh, Mount Tolmy, Mount Doug, Beckwith Park, and the Gorge Waterway as the five parks where we could try this. Uh, and the idea is that during the summer months, they would be operating there 
Um, and uh, unfortunately, uh, we uh, haven't been able to move forward with this as planned uh, due to COVID-19. So I find myself saying that about uh, a lot of things nowadays, but that is something that we're looking at doing in, in 2021 and in the interim to support food truck operators and to support that, uh, that sort of section of the economy there uh, and to support other businesses. We're looking at innovative options to, uh, to, uh, to be able to support them during the, during the pandemic. But that food truck pilot project in Saanich Parks is still scheduled to go forward in 2021. Well, certainly, I think you've you've picked some of the most popular family destinations uh, in Saanich. I know um, the the parks that you've named are are the spots that I love to get to with my kids, and uh, it's always uh, each of those spots is always just bustling with activity. I have uh, memories of a few years ago, the Centennial Square in downtown Victoria was host to. Um, to food trucks. I think they had food truck Fridays. There'd be half a dozen food trucks, Centennial Square, and it was an opportunity to kind of re-enliven that space and uh, invite people to come and, and interact with each other and have a reason to come and listen and to live music, uh, chill out in what would otherwise be a, a very kind of urban, hot, concrete environment. So really, it's about placemaking. It, it was about trying to, to find a place where, where people would want to be for sure. I think one of the benefits that the myself and members of the parks committee saw is that sort of opportunity to enliven some of the, those parks that are busier, particularly in the summer months. So each park serves a different purpose. And we have over 170 parks in Saanich. And for example, parks like Gyro, uh, Cabra Bay Beach are, are definitely more busier parks, uh, parks that are more uh, people centric, uh, whereas uh, there are other parks that are uh, that are smaller, uh, not as busy. Uh, there's you know there's parks where people like to go to to get away from the city and so uh, on the flip side there's there are parks that uh, are really uh, somewhat of a of a vibrant attraction in themselves uh, and Cabaret Bay Gyro definitely fills fits that bill uh, as a park uh, where uh, where there is opportunities to sort of enliven that park uh, make it more vibrant uh, and make it more of a place for people in the community so that was certainly the idea behind there and and of course we wouldn't want this kind of thing to be in all of our parks. There's a diverse range of parks throughout the community. Um, and, uh, you know, we have to certainly protect those parks where people are wanting to go to, to as a bit of an oasis away from the city. And then there's parks that attract tourists and attract families in the summer months and get busier. And, uh, and those opportunities to make them more vibrant and really capitalize on that is, uh, is something that the Parks Committee and, and Park staff were, were looking at. It's actually quite difficult right now for food truck operators specifically uh, to, be, uh, to have a sustainable business within the region. With the idea with the food truck pilot project and, and sort of one of the ideas behind it is to, is to try and uh, create an opportunity for food truck operators to be able to build a bit more of a returning customer base a bit more of a returning clientele and be able to have a bit more of a sustainable business model overall. Um, and, and we're also looking at now with COVID-19, there's no special events at all. Uh, and so there's really no opportunities for food trucks to be able to exist. And these are, you know, families, everyday people in our community who are being hit hard by the economic impacts of COVID-19 as, as many people are. Uh, and so we're, out, we're now looking at some innovative ways to try and be able to support their businesses during this time as well. Is there any chance that, that this is something that could be tried during this period, provided that food truck vendors as well as the public respected the, the public health guidelines right now about physical distancing? Um, do you think that there'd be a chance that this is something that could go forward? I'd certainly be open to that myself. Um, I Right now, we're sort of for the most part, uh, wanting to take the lead from our emergency operations center and our, and our staff who are 
leading our emergency response to COVID-19 in line with the provincial health regulations. So overall, I think right now we need to be thinking outside the box to be supporting businesses and particularly local businesses who are struggling right now. Um, we want to make sure that we can keep our local economy afloat uh, through uh, and beyond COVID-19. Um, so just before we, we shift into the next uh, discussion, um, I, I talked about listening to live music at Centennial Square uh, with the food trucks. And that made me think of music in the park and how that's uh, been something that's a, a feature in Saanich for at least a decade. Those are really very exciting, uh, fun destinations. Uh, speaking of food trucks, it's a place where, where people would go and, and uh, buy uh, buy some snacks and enjoy live music. And that's really been missing uh, this year. And um, I had heard that Saanich was looking at uh, some pop-up music in the park, looking at some more, some smaller, more intimate, unannounced uh, events that may take place around town. I'd love to see more things like that happening generally in our parks, uh, more uh, community gatherings, of course, with COVID-19 right now, uh, gatherings of people are um, are, you know, those kind of options are limited right now. We have to be careful about how we're gathering. Uh, but certainly under normal circumstances, making our parks more of a vibrant place for people, you know, music in the park, uh, looking at um, perhaps farmer's markets uh, and food festivals as well, uh, I think, and music uh, markets, all those different kinds of things. Uh, I think those are things that can, uh, that can work well in parks if they're done right. I think, um, you know, as you were saying, it, it's so important to find these opportunities right now when people can't get together to have ways where we can be together, even if we have to be physically apart, um, that it can still inspire a sense of community and a sense of belonging. And, and we know that that's so important for, for people's well-being and uh, for really for communities to, to thrive. Um, Saanich has always been so good at uh, creating places uh, and events uh, for people to come to. And so um, I'm hopeful that we'll see this as an opportunity that maybe this COVID era inspires some new thinking about temporary use and, and things that can be attempted. Exactly. And that's why I like pilot projects, because it's a great way to try something new, uh, while at the same time, uh, allowing for the community to uh, experience it, uh, provide input on it, uh, and change it for the better moving forward, or decide that maybe that's not the best uh, idea, or maybe realize that that's a great idea and it works that it works really well so it's a really it's a, but I've noticed particularly during COVID-19 that our parks are much busier uh, there's much more people out in our parks uh, the uh, the the sports facilities are always generally full now people are are really uh, using parks I think a lot more than they normally would and I certainly hope that that's a trend that continues well into the future beyond COVID-19 because I mean we know the benefits of outdoors to our, our physical and our mental health. I'm inspired by your comments you're looking at new new ways to, to make those even more exciting places. I know Trevor Berry will be very keen to hear me ask you about uh, alcohol in parks. This was a motion that went uh, to Saanich Council a few weeks ago and it was not successful in fact it was shut down on, on the first reading uh, without debate. What, uh, what was going on there? It was, uh, it was recommended to, to council by our parks department as a pilot project to try during COVID-19 uh, to support economic recovery. Um, and, uh, and it was moved and seconded. First reading was moved and seconded. I can remember uh, turning on my mic because I had some questions and I was interested in discussing it. Uh, and the mayor stated, um, usually we will have discussion on second reading. Uh, so sort of hinting to council, maybe just, you know, turn your mics off. We'll, we'll vote on this first reading now, and then we'll have real discussion and consideration on second reading. 
And so uh, I sort of took that uh, and thought, you know, well, of course, that's, that's normally what we do. We will discuss things on second reading, and that's where the real discussion and decision will occur. Uh, and even if people are opposed to something, they'll often support first reading. So just to allow that process to unfold and for that discussion to take place and that, that sort of normal uh, or sort of usual democratic process to unfold. Um, and, uh, and so when we all turned our mics off and, uh, and then it was voted down on a 5-4 vote uh, on first reading. Uh, and so I immediately called a point of order and said, well, wait a second, you know, we, we were just sort of given the impression that we would be able to discuss this on second reading. And instead, it was just voted down on first reading. So uh, that doesn't really seem like a good process. Um, and I was ruled out of order. Uh, and um, and the meeting continued and we considered the next items and then we adjourned. So, uh, so there was no discussion on that whatsoever. And I thought that was um, a pretty poor process because of the fact uh, that, uh, first of all, uh, I think as a decision-making body, um, the ability to ask questions uh, of our staff, the ability to uh, talk about issues before we make a decision on them, uh, I think allows us as a decision-making body to, to make a better decision and to come out of that discu discussion uh, with, a better with a better decision. So uh, take us through why alcohol in parks. Um, just thinking from your position as a decision maker about uh, the, the best use of those public spaces, what was it about creating, permitting alcohol in a select number of parks for a select period of time that um, seemed like a good idea to, um, to you and to obviously to some members of the public who really wanted to see this come forward? Well, it wasn't an issue that I uh, proposed. It wasn't an idea that I brought forward, but it was recommended to council by our parks department. Uh, and I think a number of the issues or, uh, that they talked about, um, or I guess uh, a number of the, 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 the benefits that they saw that this could have um, uh, is that it would support local businesses during this time, uh, local breweries, uh, and also uh, because of the fact that uh, a lot of uh, businesses are, are have limited capacity and are still closed down right now, that people would still be able to get a drink and, and socialize safely uh, and get out uh, into the community. I imagine that, you know, for people who uh, own or, or rent a unit in a multifamily uh, complex, uh, such as a little condo unit or uh, for someone who uh, perhaps lives in a basement suite and doesn't have access to any backyard space uh, because the landlord lives upstairs, whatever the case may be. You know, there's a lot of people who live in situations where they just don't have a backyard. They don't have access to that. They can't afford one, um, whatever the case may be. Uh, and so I think perhaps some of the idea uh, was that uh, for those people who can't afford to have their own uh, green space, uh, you know, they're still able to get out uh, into the outdoors and, and have a drink with some friends or, and family the same way anybody else would. I can certainly understand the argument about um, not having the open space uh, in order to, like, you know, when we're being told to, that it's safer to sit outside with friends and, and have a beer on your patio. If you don't have a patio, then there is an equity issue at play there for sure. But, um, you know, one of the, the things that comes along with drinking in those environments where there is a server who's providing the alcohol is somebody's in charge and uh, that they're, they're being responsible to ensure that uh, the adults in the room uh, are, or maybe on the patio uh, are having a, uh, an appropriate number of drinks. When you take that out into the public environment, that, that doesn't exist anymore. And so I, I have heard from, from folks that there's concern about, I, I don't think even rowdiness, but really just safety uh, for, for individuals who might find themselves in the area when responsible adults are maybe making decisions that uh, impair their judgment. And I know the police uh, wrote a report that raised concerns about public safety issues as well. 
for you? Is that something that, that came up? I know there wasn't debate, but uh, are, are those some of the things that you were hearing anything about? And what do you make of those kinds of safety concerns? Yeah, certainly that's something to consider. Uh, I know that the police uh, reached out to council and, and wrote a letter as part of our consideration uh, for this. Um, I We did get a few letters from members of the public, uh, and it was mixed for the most part. I mean, there were a lot of people who were very supportive, felt that, uh, you know, that uh, irresponsible people are already drinking in parks and the responsible people are the ones who are really missing out. And I was interested um, to try that uh, pilot project out uh, under unique circumstances and under uh, monitoring, under supervision, uh, to see how it would work. Because all of this discussion that we're having right now is really speculation. Uh, we've never tried this in Saanich, so we really don't know what it would look like. We don't know uh, whether there would be uh, a lot of uh, noise, a lot of people being loud and disruptive in our parks, or whether it would actually work quite well. Um, and that overall is is why I think I voted in favor of first reading. I was open to considering it. Uh, because uh, I was interested in seeing what really happened. Um, that's why I was perhaps open to trying that pilot project for a temporary period of time under unique circumstances. Um, but, you know, uh, it, it's, it's something that's, I think, worked in other countries. Uh, it's something that we don't really do as much here in Canada. So it's, it's certainly um, perhaps uh, a more cultural shift that has to take place as well before uh, uh, our communities become more comfortable with this? Fortunately, uh, I know other communities have moved forward. It, it, fortunate in, in the respect that we will have some evidence on, on what this looks like. I know uh, the District of North Van, that was the first to go in BC to, to permit it, um, has reported zero incidents, uh, at least that were publicly reported. Um, and the mayor there is saying, you know, responsible adults are being responsible. And, and I think generally that that is the expectation. Central Saanich, I saw, ha has also permitted it, so it'll be interesting to see what their experience looks like, and I expect other parts of the region uh, may well, uh, may give it a try as well. So the discussion may not be over yet. You may get a chance to debate it in the council chamber, but it probably isn't going to be for this summer. So I, I wanted to... Um, to talk a little bit now about um, creating more green space in in urban environments, and I know this is a passion of yours and something that you're uh, you look for in uh, in those development projects as they come forward. We know that there are a select number of examples of, of smaller kind of pocket parks around Saanich where, where Saanich has created sort of out of those little remnant properties of public spaces along major corridors has, has created a, a little parklet for, uh, for people to, um, to find refuge in the, uh, in the urban environment and find some green space. One of them is, is not far from, from where you and I are on Shelburne Street, right? There's uh, been a, a bit of a redevelopment in one of those little parks. Why don't you let us know what's going on there? Uh, this, uh, this is a pocket park that's right, uh, on, uh, right near the Shelburne and Cedar Hill Cross intersection, like right next to the McDonald's and, and the, the plazas that are around uh, and so it's called Gorse, Gore Peace Memorial Park. Uh, so it is a park that's, um, uh, that's been named in recognition of Shelburne Memorial uh, Avenue, which is uh, a, a dedication to uh, the, uh, the soldiers within our community who fought in World War I. Uh, and that's a project, uh, that's another project that's actually been unfolding in the Shelburne Valley, uh, in other sort of all along that Shelburne corridor in Saanich. And uh, it's a small, uh, nice piece of green space. It's, it's, it's evolved in many ways over the last uh, decade or so, actually. And so I can remember when I was a kid, um, it wasn't a very appealing space. Uh, uh, and so what Sandwich did initially was uh, remove some of that hedging, added, added some more 
uh, sort of see-through uh, vegetation. Uh, and so that sort of opened it up. That made it a bit more of a nice uh, space that uh, it mitigated some of those concerns around litter and, and whatnot. Uh, and then uh, what we've done recently is we've taken what was really just a, a, a green space uh, and we've turned it into a bit more of a, of a community place, a bit more of a place for people, something a bit more inviting. So we've added a pathway through it so that people can uh, actually cut through the park, um, a, bit of a, a bit of a connector. Uh, we've added a fountain. We've added a, a number of picnic tables. We've added some bike racks. Uh, and we've also added new vegetation and new, uh, new uh, landscaping and new planting, uh, new plantings as well. So it's really uh, enlivened the space. I see lots of people there getting a coffee with someone. I see people, uh, you know, taking their lunch break there. I, I see lots of people walking through and looking at some of the in, uh, interpretive signage on on uh, on the history of some of the soldiers in our community who fought in World War One. So it's a really interesting space now where people can learn, where people can uh, socialize, uh, where people can uh, connect with nature in an area that's actually very uh, busy in the context of Saanich, you know, uh, we don't have a downtown core like Victoria, but we do have some neighborhoods, particularly which are a little bit more business focused, uh, a little bit more higher in density, a little bit higher in traffic and in population density. Uh, and Shelburne Valley is certainly one of those areas. And it's going to become an area uh, in the next decade, I think, where we're going to see more uh, of that density. We're going to see more people. We're going to probably see more traffic. Um, we're, we're putting bike lanes on Shelburne and new sidewalks. And we're also uh, there's also a number of developments that are coming down the pipe, so to speak. So that's a lot of people and a lot of density mm -hmm. being proposed in that Shelburne Valley. And so it's really critical to have those areas of green space uh, where people can have a bit of an oasis away from uh, the traffic away from the busyness uh, and connect with nature and connect with each other. And that's what that space has really become. So it's a great example of, uh, of how we can utilize small uh, pockets of green space and turn them into to great places where people can connect with nature in a high density area. We know so much about the importance of creating those natural spaces. And uh, as you said, the, uh, the, the benefit to people's health and well-being, just being around greenery, even if it is in a smaller space, you know, finding those, those green spots in what would otherwise be a sea of asphalt and pavement uh, and concrete buildings, um, it really adds a, a tremendous amount of benefit and, and hopefully inspires people to get out and about in their own neighborhoods. Um, which, of course, we also know has has a great effect on people's health and well-being. Just using your body, going for a walk, and interacting with people on the street, um, it it really helps to build much more thriving, dynamic places, and and it does so much good for for the individual as well. Where else do you see these opportunities? I mean, you, you talk quite a bit about Shelburne Street and and redevelopment. Um, I think kind of digging out some of those asphalt spaces and and turning them into to green space. Do you see these kind of pocket parks taking place in, in other areas? And Absolutely. Yeah, I think there's lots of uh, more opportunities to be uh, to be creating pocket parks. And it is something that we're going to have to become uh, more adapt to, uh, particularly in a time where our community is densifying and growing and, uh, and becoming more urban in particular areas. So I think of the Uptown Douglas Corridor, for example, uh, a lot of business in that area, a lot of car traffic. Um, and uh, not a lot of green space. That area particularly does have a park deficit in Saanich right now. Uh, and so I think we need to be open to, uh, to uh, getting new, uh, new small spaces of green space uh, in, in those areas just to uh, 
because we really desperately need an injection of, of green space and in park space uh, in that area particularly. Uh, and it's, you know, we have to be realistic that we may not be able to purchase uh, a massive piece of property right in the center of that area and turn it into a, a big, beautiful park, although we'd certainly love to. Uh, we do have to, uh, you know, understand uh, that there are realities, there are circumstances that uh, that uh, that occur that we were that that might that just may not be able to take place, and so we do have to be more comfortable with those smaller pockets of green space uh, and be able to utilize them uh, and and really capitalize on them in a way that uh, where you can have. Uh, you know, a small space that may not seem uh, great. It may not, it may be on a busy road. It may just be a small uh, area, but to, you know, to plant trees, to have, you know, things like we did in Gore Park there, uh, you know, uh, picnic tables, uh, fountain, um, you know, uh, bike racks, pathways through uh, it, it, to turn those spaces into a really uh, vibrant uh, little place for people to be able to escape from the city. Uh, it actually has huge potential uh, and it's something that we can realistically be doing in areas, uh, in high density areas in the community that don't have a lot of green space right now. And one of the specific fees in our DCC uh, suite of fees is land acquisition for park space. And so as we develop, we're actually allocating money and putting money aside from developers uh, to be able to uh, actually purchase new areas of green space and new parkland uh, to be able to support that development. I think that's something that's going to be really important as our community densifies. You know, we have to balance uh, new housing and new urban development with uh, new green space and new park acquisition as well. And to be able to make sure that, you know, for so many years, people love this community because it's so there's so many trees. It's so beautiful. It's filled with green space. We're, we're really connected with nature here. We have to make sure that in the next 10, 20, 30, 50 years down the line uh, that we uh, that we protect that uh, that uh, that greenery that we love about this community uh, and add to it uh, and enhance it uh, and 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 make sure that this community is in you know decades down the line although it may be much higher in density and maybe much more urban uh, that it's still a, a beautiful green uh, space with lots of park space for people to go to. That's terrific. I'm I'm so inspired uh, by your comments uh, talking about um, making way for the future to ensure that uh, we're we're adequately equipping our communities with these really important spaces. And uh, thank you so much for for spending the time with us today. And uh, I'm so uh, pleased to hear about the great things that are going on in Saanich and and the forward thinking that's going on, thinking about future generations and uh, and really making this. Uh, a people place uh, for the future. Well, thanks, Dean. No, it's my it's my pleasure, uh, and I'm 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 glad that you. It's nice to hear you reflect on that because I you know I do think about um, you know I, I was elected when I was 19 and I had a quite a few thousand people vote for me and I sort of wonder you know why did so many of these people vote for me for someone you know they don't know who I am necessarily and I do think that perhaps they wanted a young person on council to think about the future what our community is going to look like decades down the line and also perhaps someone who's a bit more willing to, to try new ideas so that's certainly something that I try to do on council and uh, happy to talk about that today with you so thanks for having me on and thanks for doing this podcast to uh, you know to explore how we can make our community even better thank you very much my pleasure thanks so much for joining us on the amazing places podcast Make sure you subscribe so you know when the latest episodes are available. Until then, let's get out there and enjoy these amazing places.